Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I'm Zach, and this episode is fueled by Chewy Fudge Brownies, because what else do we eat? <laughs> but brownies and chocolate all the time. Except for for breakfast. No, we don't. That's bagels and peanut butter. We do have a nutritionist coming up in a few episodes, so, so good. it is it's really great information. She probably she, she's okay with eating treats occasionally, but probably not as fuel. We'll talk about that more <laughs> later because there's a lot to talk about with that. But keep in mind, the first thing you need to do right now is go to a2zrunning.com, look for the word follow, and then head over to YouTube so you can see that chewy fudge brownie. It's moist and delectable. <laughs> And you want to see it on YouTube and then subscribe because it's so good. You want to see it again the next time. All right. Now, we do want you to get involved in the conversation, share some questions, comments. Even we love the ongoing conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's questions that come up that we, we get to answer and then re-answer or engage with the same people. It's good stuff. Yeah. So Benjamin Murray had sent me a message. There was a picture of me doing one of my drills before running on Instagram. And he said, are you still doing those zombie drills and airplanes? Um. Uh, to which I said, yes. If she's doing them early in the morning, because yeah. everything she does early in the morning is <laughs> like a zombie. zombie drill. Hey, I hear so that. Good. If I did zombie drills every day, I would probably be a better runner. So I thank you, Benjamin Murray, for reminding me. I have been doing them occasionally. Um, I'll link to the episode. I think it's uh, it's Mike Swinger and Mike it's Swinger. How to Run Like a Zombie or Why Run Like a Zombie. Something like that. But it's yeah. zombie in the title, so yeah. it'll stand out. So the, the reason that you do these drills is it really helps stabilize your core and it helps you put your hips in the correct position. And it kind of just engages the whole posterior chain better. And you can do it while you're running, and that's the reason why I think it's really great because sometimes you realize you're not activating the way you should. And you can do airplane drills and zombie drills while you're running. And then everyone who watches you will look at you strangely and judge you for it and who cares right who cares it's 2020 everyone's a little strange (laughs) these days also another shout out this one's from kate caitlin thank you so much for letting us know that our contact page was not quite working properly and you would have never guessed it but we found out because Caitlin said, I've been trying to get a hold of you and you haven't gotten back to me. Yeah. So I must just publicly express my gratitude for such a gracious response because she continued to try to get a hold of us for quite some time until finally she got through. And that is amazing. Perseverance. you do not owe us that kind of no. persistence. And we're so excited because now we're going to be her coaches. So we love Very that kind of perseverance. to yeah. continue working with so many of you. And for those of you who have tried to get a hold of us in the past and maybe didn't and gave up, try again because we fixed it. Yeah. And also, if you are looking for a coach, we do have openings available. So you can contact us through that page or you could just go to a to z running at gmail.com. Send us a message. Hit us up. We want to be your coach. If instead you're just looking for free stuff, we've got some of that too. (laughs) We do. So we're going to do another contest because we realize that Apple really does prioritize the podcasts that have the most amount of reviews so and we're we going to try to use you and manipulate you to get us to get better success <laughs> by giving Apple. you free stuff so hopefully that's a win-win for you and we appreciate all your engagement so far you guys are the best running community ever um so this is one of the items this is like a buff it's a neck gator i think that's the generic we don't version. we haven't figured out what these are actually called yes. we call them buffs buff, we call them who rags but then we realize both of those are brands they're brands yes and then we have some deep feet socks they're uh, holiday festive yes cycling holiday socks yeah it's actually called eggnog christmas sock that makes no sense because there's no (laughs) eggnog eggnog on it on it um and then we also have we've been talking about these products a lot um some knock around sunglasses gorgeous yeah they're an all black so pretty snazzy they're the black on black version yes you could get away with being on a set of men in black as well as being suave in your running clothes Mm -hmm. so those are the three prizes for the winner there's only one winner this time (laughs) but you get everything so that's worth it yeah so this is how you do it 
All the details will be on a to z running.com slash contest. A to z running.com slash contest. Yes. So you rate us and review us on Apple. I'm hoping some good things, but you be honest, you know. And then... <laughs> no, don't rate us if you're not going to rate us well. That's <laughs> clearly. And then you submit to enter on a to z running.com slash contest. So you let us know because the reason why we do that is because we can't see who would win uh, via your name on Apple Podcasts. So we'd like to make a connection with you. So we know that you said those nice words and thank you in person. Well, this week on the podcast, we have the topic of trails. Mm -hmm. So many, if not most of you are probably road runners because that occupies the majority of runners in the world, but certainly in America. Um, but we have found that also, while you are roadrunners by a general definition, even then, most of us still like to try to scratch the itch of trails when we can and, and when we have access to. And we've been kind of wondering about that a bit lately. Like, what is it that makes trails effective? Why do we do those kinds of things? So the question we are answering this week then is, what are the benefits of running trails? And in order to answer that question well, we figured we'd bring on a trail ultra running expert yes also with a show to talk about trails and ultra yes. running so he's talked with a lot of other experts as well and that's rob stager yes so rob will be joining us later to answer the question mm -hmm. he is the host of training for ultra and he is the author of a book which is training for ultra and he has a show on amazon so he's a big deal we're really grateful to have him on air but first we're going to talk about the world of running This week on the world of running, it's only fitting that we have an ultra lots, race. Lots of them, in fact. Two of them, about. yeah. And the first one that we're going to talk about happened. It's the JFK 50 mile race. So this one has happened already. So we're here to tell you the results. Um, the first 15 and a half miles are on the Appalachian Trails in this it's event. Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And the men's winner was Hayden Hawks. And in his debut of this event, he won, but also got the course record. Okay. Which is quite phenomenal. And it's, it's nice to do that. <laughs> this is a 50-mile race, okay? And he ran at 621 pace. For oh. A, yeah, I know. And this is not like just like flat roads. Oh. In a 50-mile race. Can you imagine? My running legs that just fast? went numb. <laughs> I'll let you know when it comes back. Um, so that time was five hours, 18 minutes, and 40 seconds. And whose record did he break? Jim Walmsley. Yeah. Legendary. Right. Legendary. Legendary. Uh, the female winner was Camille Heron, and she won. She she was the favorite to win because she's like the champion of the world. She won in a time of six hours, 31 minutes, and 14 seconds, and she won by nearly half an hour. Okay. In this event. And she did not hit the time that she was hoping to. She's hoping to get the course record, um, but that did elude her. She does hope to come back, and um, she knows that she's capable. So it just needs to be the right time. And she's just expressing her gratitude just to get to do this race during a pandemic. And um, her personal uh, best time in the 50-mile race is 5 hours, 38 minutes, and 41 seconds. Wow. Yes. That and, is under 7-minute pace. Yeah. And that's an all-time cool. world best. Okay. And this isn't actually her event. She specializes in longer events. So is that a thing? She, people specialize in Yeah, they can go for an ultra and running. Ever. It's just basically like you, anything goes. And so she owns the world best performances for the 100 mile event and the 24 hour event. Wow. Yeah. That's quite a repertoire. It is. So basically, while you're doing whatever it is you're doing, at any time that you're doing it, she's probably running. She's probably running or eating here. or eating while running. Yeah, I would, I would guess sleeping. she has to multitask in order to fit it all in. Yeah. So the next thing huh. I want to talk about is something that might be going on as you're listening to this is the Up Dog 10 miler. We've talked about it a couple times, but it was moved from Monday to Tuesday. So we air this kind of like Monday night, Tuesday morning. So you might want to hop on over and get the live stream going. I will link to that in the show notes, a to z running.com slash episode 60. Make sure you go there. I'll have the link. And uh, that, again, is Kira D'Amato's event where she's going for that American 10-mile women-only record. And uh, Molly Seidel will be there. Um, and I should mention that uh, Diane Nukiri wasn't able to participate. So uh, covid Happens. Life happens. Stuff. Yes. Another ultra marathon coming up. 
Yes. Because people do these things. I'm still not sure why. <laughs> Phantasm 24-hour challenge. So it's a 24-hour track event. That's the way you have to do it when you're running for time or when you're running for a set time and the distance is the goal. Mm. You have to do it on a track. So you have an accurate measurement of the oh, distance. But it's so brutal to yeah. be like without any kind of up and down. Man. Yep. So I have to mention the, what is necessary to get this record do first you, before I... Do you yeah. have to say this? This makes Zach cringe because... I ran 10K on a track a few days ago <laughs> in a time trial. 10K, that is six miles plus a quarter. And that was awful. Mm. And I felt the need to switch direction. So this event... They'll switch every four hours, Zachary. Okay. So like over a marathon distance. Every yeah. four hours, they'll be switching directions. And I say they, and that's actually one person is going for it, Killian Jornet. And he will have pacers and people running with him, but he is the only one really attempting this record. And the previous record is 188.59 miles. Which probably only means something hours. when we say that's running how fast for seven thirty eight pace for twenty four hours straight. That's crazy, you guys. Seven thirty eight mile pace for twenty four hours. That means you're like having to eat while running seven thirty eight pace. Any bathroom breaks, you'll have to be running like sub sub seven minute pace. So this is a quite <laughs> this is a very difficult record, and it will be an amazing feat if uh, Killian is able to do this. So I feel the need to insert here very briefly that. My college coach, so Q, if you're listening, here's a Q shout out for any of you who know him. Um, previous to, and he was on our podcast back a little while back talking about track history, great stuff. Okay, so he used to do this challenge with a few of his teammates when he was in college where they would basically, after the first of the year, January 1st, the first person to get to 100 miles wins the contest, the challenge, right? So they would try to run as much as they could, as as quickly as they could to get to 100 miles. And it was things like, you know, run 24 miles a day for a few days. And, and at one point he's like, I'm going to do this in under three days was his goal, which is, you know, over a marathon a day. And these guys were 800 meter runners, <laughs> not long distance runners trying to get to and And he explains there's a certain point in time where he no longer is fully conscious just someone pokes him and says, hey, you got to get up and go do some miles. And he would just kind of roll out of his bed, trudge around for a couple hours, go back to his bed. Someone would give him some food. And he's like, they just you get this fog. And here I am thinking 188 miles in 24 hours. Wow. Something's missing from reality there. <laughs> well, he's bringing us a lot of entertainment. And I'll be excited to watch the live stream of that, which I will also be linking in the show notes, a to z You can find him there. Next up, let's talk about trails. As indicated, our main topic question this week is what are the benefits of running trails? And certainly a great many of us feel that kind of like love of the occasional trail run kind of thing, especially when the weather's quite right and you want to run in the shade. Well, there's a lot of good things going on there. Before we do anything else, I do have to tell a quick story because it's important. It is important, Andy. So I've run one trail race ever. Um, Besides and, cross country. And it was a, well, yeah, but those don't count. They're not trail races. Very different when you're running on grass in the middle of a field than running, you know, bushwhacking through who knows what, getting lost, trying to follow little dots on trees. Because mm. we got lost in this one trail race that I ever ran. Um, and I can't say it was my fault this time, but all the other times races have gotten lost have been my fault. And also very important to note that in trail running, you generally don't find many opportunities to run as fast as you can because the terrain does not allow for that. And most of these are really long. I was running a 10 mile long trail race, which probably trail runners out there are like rolling their eyes thinking that doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't. I agree with you. It doesn't. But anyway, so I did feel like it was important to try to find opportunity to run as fast as possible since you spend most of the time not running as fast as possible because you're dodging things and people and stuff and animals. So I got to this point where I was on a dirt road. The trail kicked out into a dirt road and you run downhill slightly. So it's perfect setup for maybe half a mile or so. It was, it was quite substantial. And I just thought this is perfect. And I saw I let loose. It was near the end of the race. I was feeling good. 
let loose. And then at the end of the hill at the bottom, it cuts back into the trail, just kind of a slight dip into the trail, and then the trail goes off into the woods again. And so I figured I'd, I'd dip into the trail and then ease up a bit there. What I didn't figure on was the fact that the trail dipped and the rest of the foliage and tree canopy did not. So I entered the trail blind to run smack into a tree, <laughs> nearly full tilt, knocked me squarely off my feet. And I didn't realize what had happened until I was sitting on the ground thinking to myself, wasn't I running just a moment ago? <laughs> and the answer was yes, I was far too quickly. So that's the first lesson that we should probably give in trail running, which is there are benefits, but there are costs as well. And we need to understand how to maximize the benefits maximize for a positive benefit. experience. And that's why we learn from others. That's why yes. we're bringing Rob Steger on because he has the podcast Training for Ultra and the book Training for Ultra and a show on Amazon. I'll link to all of that. But he is also he has extremely great personal experience. Um, he ran the Triple Crown, which is Bigfoot 200, Ooh. Tahoe 200, Ooh. and Moeb 240. Why not? Why not? Because it's That's all in 60 days, be. guys. All in oh. 60 days. So he has a lot of trail running experience, you could say. He spent a lot of time on trails. So we're going to talk with him today because he has a lot of great insight because he has interviewed many trail runners as well as being a very accomplished one himself. Some of the most productive things he's going to share are the things you need to be thinking about doing stuff like that that most of us who don't do those things never would think about. Mm -hmm. Really practical stuff. Mm -hmm. And... Just general conversation about why trail running can be an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. Without further ado, let's talk to Rob. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, this is really exciting because we are like not super trail people and you are the guru, the expert on trail running. You have your own podcast talking about ultras and a lot of ultras are on trails. So today we kind of want to talk about trail running and what you need for it, some experiences that you've had and how people can transition from the road to the trail. So we'd like to start with maybe some of your experiences on the trail. I mean, I would I'd start off with saying the transition. I was not a pro by any means. I wasn't even middle of the pack when it came to any kind of road running. Um, but I did find myself injured frequently, trying to find an outlet where running was a stress reliever, but I was also getting stress fractures probably. So I was trying to find a way to um, take this newfound kind of balance to my life and be able to do it a little bit more and the softness of the trails kind of allowed me to uh, develop as a runner. So I, I'd done maybe 500 miles, if that, just on like bike trails and, and whatnot and uh, just went all in on trails. Mm -hmm. And it was like my very first experience was taking, I think I had some New Balance running shoes at the time, road shoes, onto the trails and I found myself at one point in like a foot deep of mud and these shoes were just totally trashed afterwards because <laughs> I'd forgot my trail shoes but uh my very first experience it was like I never looked down at my watch really so we all you know it's kind of a habit of training for marathons and halves and even faster like 5k's like constantly looking at your your splits and when you're out on the trail and you find yourself either crossing a creek in some horrible mud, stopping to see crazy wildlife that, you know, just happens to be out there, or like doing a, a stupid steep climb, like, you know, splits are irrelevant. You know, it's all about time on your feet. And it's, it's just this whole, whole new world out there that it really is refreshing as opposed to just constantly like, oh, missed that split by three seconds. Like now I'm mentally down for the next mile or two. Like it, when you're out there, everything's kind of in perspective and you realize that maybe it's silly to worry about that three seconds. So, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm a middle of the pack guy that found that the longer I was on my feet, the longer the races, kind of the 
better I was, as weird as that sounds. And I kind of developed backwards as a runner. I started off just a few years ago, late 2015. And then my first marathon was 2016. In the following month, I ran a 50K. Following month, I ran a 50 miler. And then I think a few months later, I went for my first 100 miler. So that was my, my long runs were races. I just went, you know, I'm not really scared of failure at this point. This is working really well. So that's how I found myself out on the trails. A few years later, the races got longer and longer. But um, that's how it started was just I needed a soft trail so I wasn't getting hurt. There's something, there's something to that. You know, we hear, we hear people talk about that a lot, especially along that vein of, you know, I've struggled with injury as a runner, but I love running and I, you know, I don't want to give it up. Is there another option? And, um, the idea of, of trails for so many reasons being an option where people aren't struggling with injury as much and where people are able to make that changeover and see greater longevity and some of those kinds of things, um, you, you mentioned, you know, the trail's softer. That certainly makes a difference. But there's there's got to be more to it than that, too. Why, why is it, do you feel like, we see so many of these ultra-marathoners with long careers of just you know, not necessarily being the best in the world for, you know, 20, 30 years, but they're doing it for long periods of time. And I ran into a guy on a trail once, and he was like 62-ish. I can't remember exactly what he said. And um, and I, you know, I, I asked him how where he was or what he was running or something. And he's like, oh, you know, I've got just a, a couple more, I can't remember what he said, laps, rounds or something. And I was like, oh, you know, not bad. I'm, I'm just finishing up one loop myself. And he's like, yeah, he's, he's like, uh, well, maybe I'll see you in a couple hours. And I'm like, well, what? <laughs> no, I'm going to be done in about 20 <laughs> minutes. But, you know, so I see things like that. And I think there's there's something about this that keeps people in it longer and, and is better on bodies. There's, there's those things there. Am I missing anything else? Yeah. It's, I mean, a lot of it's low intensity aerobic uh, type training where 80 to 90% of your training is easy runs. Like if you're really doing it right and it's hard because that's sometimes really boring to a lot of people, but the best ultra marathoners, in my opinion, can do 80% of their runs just easy. And they throw in that harder effort once in a while. But uh, that is not boosting lactic acid in your body and kind of destroying your joints. You know, if you're doing every run as a hard run. Uh, But with ultra marathons, honestly, 90% of your running should just be pretty chill enjoyable miles unless you're a super elite maybe you can mix in uh, additional harder efforts and strength training and all that other good stuff but I mean for us normal folks that have kids and and jobs full-time like most of your runs should be easy so it's I mean when you start getting into 50 milers 100 k's 100 milers and then I mean I've I've been Toying with 200 milers recently since late 2018, and I've done Moab 240, and then I did the Triple Crown last year, which was Bigfoot 200 with 42,000 feet of gain, uh, Tahoe 200 with 38,000 feet of gain, and then Moab 240 with I think 20 or 30,000 feet of gain. So these are like giant, giant efforts, not only with the miles, but then the climbing and the descents and just the, the extreme nature of them. And if I go out, I mean, you want running economy, but I mean, and it does help, you know, being in really good shape, but when you're at mile 220 during mile 240, it's like, uh, I mean, if you can, you know, shave 10 seconds off your mile, in training doesn't matter at all. There's just so many miles. And I had fun last year making a 401k for pediatric cancer research. So that was actually a 250 mile effort. And you just, you get to the point where you start 
breaking through and you, you start realizing the potential, like there are really no limits other than time and resources. So if you have a lot of time and a lot of resources, you can actually run a very, very long distance. And it's just a totally different mentality on the trails. That's the trails were just this introduction to a whole different world. And if you want more of that world, uh, you can run a little bit longer races. I think it's so profound too. I think that a lot of distance runners could benefit even from the concept of this, this easier running. We have been talking about it a lot recently, actually, the, the fact that a lot of us hurry, we hurry on our easy runs and that way sometimes we're getting injured because we're not getting full recovery for our next effort. Um, so I think that concept of like not hurrying, taking it as an experience, it's not like this measurement of, of the day as far as like performance. It's an experience that you have every day instead of it being a means to an end. That's kind of what I hear from trail runners is that it's an experience. There's more to it than, than just running. Can you tell us uh, some things about trail running beyond, beyond the running itself that you love? Like, is it nature? Is it the, the meditation? What, what drives you to do these long distance races? I mean, I, I like the challenge. I like working every day. Like I'm big on finding that goal that makes you jump out of bed and get excited to run. And yeah, with, with easy runs, I mean, Strava can be destructive if you're trying. I mean, you post something, even in the middle of the pack guy like me, it can be somewhat embarrassing at times, but you have to get over that. Um, and yeah, the sunsets, the sunrises, sometimes you see a sunrise and sunset during a race three or four times. So that's pretty, like, I, I always joke, like, the second sunrise is, like, the best. Because then normally it gets, it gets a little uglier um, in those longer efforts. But um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, running at night is, can be almost like a religious experience when you're out there. And a lot of these 200 milers get out way in the middle of nowhere. So you don't see another human. And these are 20 mile segments. So I don't see an aid station for almost a marathon distance in a lot of cases. I'm just self-supported throughout that effort. And you're just out there alone. And if you're not totally sleep deprived and hallucinating, um, it, it can be profound. So it's, I would say, most ultra runners have an extreme personality so it, it kind of fits i mean there's a lot worse things uh all these extreme personalities could be doing than than running but it's it's been life-changing for me and i have found meditation and it's it's refreshing having that outlet so that i know regardless if i ever get injured or like permanently can't run I have this stress outlet that I've developed through running to always have, you know, if needed. So again, there's, there can be like a spiritual side to it when you're out there and it's just a full moon and it's just you and the trail and the sounds of running water or trees in the wind. And yeah, it's, it's really cool. You forget that it's any kind of uh, ex form of exercise. Because it, it truly, it's an adventure. You're exploring on two feet. And yeah, it's, it's truly amazing. So there's definitely, there's something there to the, um, the, the tension of, you know, you're, you're by yourself. You're in the wilderness. There's, there's literal wild animals and hazards of the trail. And then you add in something like the night factor when you can't see, you know, you hear the sound of something and you're wondering the whole time, what is that? And is it going to come out and try to eat me? Or is it just, you know, an owl, you know what? So those kinds of things, I am curious. And maybe this is a, maybe this is a taboo question to ask a trail runner, but um, you know, what, what, what are some of those, what are some of those uh, startling, frightening have you been have you ever been been tragically lost on a trail before a training run or a race or otherwise it, any of those kinds of things that we all fear when we think about trail running 
I've in just for background, there are no taboo questions for trail runners. So, but a lot of a lot of that stays on the trail. So, um, no joking aside, I've I'd say I've, I had one story where it was a training run. I haven't really shared this with many people. I don't think, but I was new to Colorado, so I was like really excited to try out everything around here. There was some snow on the ground. I went out. And because it was icy and snowy, like the locals are like, we're just going to wait two days to go run there. But I was like, I got to get out. It's Saturday. Um, and the trail was in this national park. And it was on a trail called Mountain, I think it was called Mountain Lion Trail. And so I was running, got to the very top. It was a big climb. I was cold because you know, it gets colder when you go up higher and it's more exposed. And running, I got lost, and then I figured I'd course correct because the top was very pointed. I'd just go all the way around, and it was wooded enough. Um, and so I was going through snow that was probably a foot and a half deep, and I was just like, I'll just circle around, and I'll find the trail that I came up on. And I tripped, and so I'm like, fa I'm like face plant in snow, and I look up, and there's a cave, like, maybe five feet to my left and and it, it looked like probably where mountain lions live and we're just like I'm totally removed away from people like looking directly into a mountain lion cave potentially I got freaked out and just like sprinted as hard as I could to you know correct and then got down and then later I was google searching that trail and I was like oh that's why they named it mountain lion trail because there's like YouTube videos of like four mountain lions stalking deer that's like right in that area. And it's just like, I'm such an idiot. I can't go solo um, in, you know, those type of, you know, more extreme and remote areas. So I got lucky there and I'm trying to think of anything else. A lot of time, it just takes training to get used to running in the dark to the point where you're just, overly comfortable falling asleep wherever like during big races and but yeah I've had races where I'm like whipping my headlamp around like paranoid clanking my poles like I, you know and I could have been stalked I mean I, I think mountain lions will see you like once for every few hours you're out on the trails at least out west so um but it's super rare to even see them and yeah, I think initially when I was just starting trail running, I was totally freaked out. And I'd, I'd recommend just go out with someone else and get accustomed to it. And then it's just like anything else in running, you just have to train for it. And over time, you'll, you'll get, you, your, <laughs> your body will adapt to it, essentially, your, your mind. Mm -hmm. That's, that's good advice. Um, yes, I like the, uh, you know, bring a, bring a Sherpa, bring somebody who know, knows their way and uh, you can safe or yeah, safety and someone's slightly slower than you is what I'd recommend. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's hard for that's, it's hard for me. I'm always the last guy. So. I do wonder. So we talked a little bit about how you transitioned to trails or started with trails in order to keep um, healthy. I mean, you go really far. I just, it kind of blows my mind because I, I'm personally rather injury prone. So when I hear you say that you're doing all of these miles, like, you know, you did the triple crown, everything. How, is there anything else that you do to stay healthy or anything that you do on the trail that you think contributes to maintaining your health besides the soft surfaces? Um, I mean, I would say I'm like highly focused on diet. I mean, prior to COVID, COVID's kind of wrecked that a little bit for me, but I'm getting refocused. Um, but nutrition and like, I'm like very into, and that's why I'm a big fan of hammer nutrition, but vitamins, knowing like where you're getting your vitamins, not missing out on anything your body vitally needs because once you start putting in a little bit higher mileage and my, my miles aren't that big. I use like hundred mile races as long runs and 
that kind of cuts back and allows me to do 40 to 60 mile weeks when I'm like actually training for something, um, they could be a 200 miler. Uh, but I would say, um, I can't think of anything else. I mean, I think nutrition's huge. I think hydration is huge because I, you know, I, my muscle tension, it's not going to, uh, if I go out and I'm slightly dehydrated, I'm, I guess I'm listening to my body closely, I'd say, because you know, from the second I get out of bed, I know kind of a probability of where I am in terms of where my training's been, but then where my hydration is. And so I know like those high risk days, I'm not afraid to say, I'll just take the day off. One, one day is not going to ruin a training block. Even if that training block went awry, it's not a big deal. Like I'm, I, all my training, all my races are kind of in perspective of, I want to be that 62 year old guy that sees a young gun out there and says, I'll see in a few hours. Um, like that's, that's truly my goal. And my other goal is like inspiring people to get out and run and just eat a little healthier. Cause I've been in a bad place with nutrition and I've been to a point where I couldn't run a single mile and the thought of even running one mile made me tear up. Um, I remember my first time running four miles was like mind blowing and amazing. And I, I went through a decent amount of weight loss. And so I think a lot of, a lot of my training is well in perspective. So I don't, follow any kind of like specific training plan. And that was a big part of my early failures was, you know, I needed those back-to-back long runs and I knew Sunday was not going to go well, but I still was able to go out and then I, you know, pull my groin or whatever and like be out for a few weeks. So I finally learned like, listen to your body from the second your two feet hit the, hit the floor and, in no kind of probability weight the risk of your day and if it's a very very high risk like subconsciously you kind of know just don't do that workout like it's just not worth it because and that's truly the biggest breakthrough i had was realizing like when i was not getting injured maybe i wasn't making the biggest gains but i wasn't setting myself back and so i could I went several years with literally no injuries, really. And just that kind of layering, yeah, I, it, it turned into you know, something pretty cool. But I would say, yeah, combination of just being aware of high-risk injury, nutrition and hydration, and then easy runs, a lot, a lot of easy runs. Good advice. Definitely. So I'm, I'm curious and, uh, certainly, um, just kind of reflecting on your scope of involvement in trail running and, and with everything that you do, not just personally, but then also, uh, with the work you do in the content you share, you have a lot of exposure to the things that trail runners are most concerned about, you know, the things trail runners are wondering, their questions on their minds and those kinds of things. Um, what, what are some of those, you know, when we think about if a trail runner is listening to our podcast here and they're like, okay, yeah, I know all that stuff, but here's the thing that I'm wondering, what, what kinds of things do trail runners ask or concerns they have? Good question. And I get so many questions probably every day. I'm like kind of hammered, which is fine. Like, I don't mind. I try to get back to everyone. Um, a lot of gear questions like gear becomes a little bit more important when you're doing these segments that are like 15 miles and you got 8,000 feet of gain just to get aid station to aid station. So it's a lot of little things like, like blister prevention, anti-chafing. Chafings can be a, a game ender. So if, if you think like at the end of that marathon, you know, you weren't wearing covers or you get you're chafing a little bit we'll multiply that times 10 um in in some of these races for us so a lot of those questions 
yeah, like what kind of trekking poles were you using during uh, running the Triple Crown? Like I get tons of those. I'm trying to think of anything else. A lot of nutrition questions because just the quantity of nutrition goes up substantially. And so I think ultra runners, there's kind of like two categories. You're either like completely into to knowing every single aspect of your diet or like you're just throwing in whatever and you're you're burning the furnace hot which some people can get away with a lot of people can't uh because if you're not nailing down hydration and nutrition you're going to be on the side of the trails behind the bushes so i know in marathoning it happens occasionally you know you hit mile 20 and your tummy has a rumblies well, when you're in the middle of nowhere, and it can be a little bit different, but a lot of that is like, you just can't eat gels uh, for four days straight. Even, even like very low sugar gels, just the glucose will cause a stomach bomb uh, that can be game ending. So, and a lot of, a lot of runners are, uh, at least ultra runners, trail runners are focused on a little bit like higher fat type diets. And, and again, that falls back into like two kind of subcategories. And um, a lot of that's just sustained energy levels because you can bonk, you can have a great 100K at Moab 240 and then mile 70 rolls around and you just, you're basically crawling. So it just, it takes a lot of experience and I just get tons of gear questions and nutrition questions. And then I don't think anything else. What about sleep? Do you get sleep questions? Oh, it's, yeah, it's its own. Yeah. I, I would say it's weird being in the category of like having finished four 200 milers because there's just not, it, it's a weird subcategory within a subcategory. Um, and there's just not many people that have gone through and experienced how to do that. And I just kind of went all in, learned as I went, kind of nothing was a failure. It was either going to be a learning experience or, you know, not an issue. But yes, yeah, sleep, <laughs> sleep's a hard one. And I, I don't even know if I've really mastered it yet. Uh, best example is Moab 240 this year. I slept more than I did the previous year by like a pretty large amount. And I ended up running 12 hours faster this year. And that's after waking up at 4 a.m., running seven and a half miles before the race started so that I could get that, those charity miles in. Um, and I still was able to run half a day faster. And it's just weird timing on a lot of that stuff and yeah, it takes experience and it takes just learning to the point where I know I can set my watch for seven minutes and lay down on any trail anywhere. And that's the exact amount of time I need to like reset so that my eyes can like focus and like my brain can kind of be with it. But you're doing races that are three to four days straight. Like there's no, hotels or anything, you know, we're not like stopping the race. It's just, they start the clock and you just go. Um, so it's been fascinating. That is very fascinating. <laughs> very fascinating. Yeah. We were uh, following that big, sorry, I'm going to say the it wrong. Bigs big backyard, Bigs backyard yeah. ultra. And we're like, does Courtney DeWalter like sleep in that 10 minutes in between her loops? Like, is, is, is someone able? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Amazing. We were wondering that. We're like, how, how does that happen? Yeah. Like, She can do two minute naps, which is like really rare. But that that's the hardest part of that race is like this, the sleep element. And I've been in a similar format uh, to that and sleeps like, I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of it's the running, but we know that people can run across the United States. So you can take sleep breaks and just go. Like I have friends that can run across the United States pretty easily. Wow. I have a co-host that probably of my podcast that probably could if 
given the amount of time and resources. But yeah, that that race is hard and it's also genius with how Laz developed it because it's like exactly 100 miles in exactly 24 hours. And yeah, how how you do the sleep. I've, I haven't done that race, so I don't have like the exact uh, experience or knowledge to share with you on that, but Courtney's mastered the cat nap. That's all I'll say. <laughs> mastered no the cat nap. I like that. That's great. So I guess our last question would be, if anyone is considering doing ultras or trail running, you are an enthusiast. You have all these stories and you have great resources by, you know, interviewing ultra marathoners and you have this show. What would you tell someone? You're an enthusiast. You you have a message. What would you say to someone who's interested in trail running or ultra running or both? I'd say, what do you have to lose? I mean, get out there, go have fun. I think my big message that I try to share with everyone every day is like, enjoy your training like i think it's very easy to get so caught up in your plan and and where you are and your result your race results and your strava course records being taken or in my case my one segment third place it turned into like a after people saw that it disappeared on my radar um just go have fun we we forget it's so basic but Go have fun and run and like choose a goal that when you wake up, you jump out of bed. You're excited to go run. This is not a job for 99.9% of us. And I know people that it is their job and even they still figure out a way to have fun. So like you got, life's too short. I found that out quickly with my dad's health scare, changed my life. And we all have the ability to make these changes for ourselves and become better. Like change for, for, for the better is, is possible. And I'm living proof of that. Like you can, you act, there is hope. So don't give up on yourself. Like truly it's, it's life changing. And again, nothing to lose and it's okay to go out there without your gps watch and a lot of us it might feel like we're running naked without uh you know seeing our splits but it's it's okay to get out there and like look around and live a little bit and have fun and take your friends out there and laugh and yeah i i think that's kind of my my big message is like it's okay to be average most of us are average. It's kind of the definition of average. So middle of the pack's a good spot. I've been second to last in a local half marathon. And the last place guy had just had heart surgery the previous year. So I've, I've been at the very, very back of the pack before. And it's okay. We get the most bruised bananas at the finish line. It's still... It's still a good place so yeah just forget what other people are thinking and just go enjoy yourself life's too short get out there have fun i love that that's motivating so thank good you, Rob. well thank you so much for coming on our show rob we loved having you yeah honor be on your show thank you guys well if you're anything like me there's a very good chance that your knees just aged 10 years and all the cartilage went ran out just from <laughs> listening to rob talk but no, there's still some positives to me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, he actually got in. The thing that fascinates me is that he got into trail running because of the injury stuff. And he's not the only one. We've heard that story many times. And th the thing that I really am interested in is how he's been able to stay healthy since. Mm. So on that note, some good yeah. advice to wrap up the conversation. Yes, yeah. So Andrea from Metcons and Miles, she is one of my connections. She's another blogger, uh, has some great information on her website. One of the things that she tells people is that they need to add in trail miles slowly <laughs> when transitioning to being a trail runner. Sometimes we're like, yeah, I ran 20 miles last weekend for my long run. So, you know, I can do 15 
in the trails they are a different animal so transition slowly animals yeah that is something that trail runners do talk quite a bit about the animals on the trail and she also mentions um in some of her 100k training to practice running in the dark which is not a consideration many of us make when we're thinking about racing, but you need to practice running in the dark and having all your equipment working correctly. And also just, it, it's different. Like your perception in the dark oh, is yeah. different. So when you're on trails, you literally need to be able to like know what's coming and be more coordinated in the dark. And if you're like one of the two of us sitting here and you already have some troubles with coordination on trails and then you turn out the lights. Yes. Well, Yes. So, so that's great advice. And then, sorry, I have one more, Zach. Um, one the more. other thing was doing more hiking. You might mm. not be able to do as many miles. Running is what might be necessary if you're going to be doing a 100-mile race or 100K or however long your race is. It's more like a trek. We, yeah. we shouldn't call these things races purely because it's more like a trek. It's a journey. It's it's definitely a, a, a process <laughs> process experience. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Mm-hmm. Definitely is. So we'll link to that. And in conclusion on the topic, to answer the question, so what are the benefits of running trails? Um, certainly, foremost, that new experience thing. Um, you need something that's a change or you want to take a different angle with running for a bit. Trail racing is a great way to do that because it can be so interesting and so different. But at the same time, it's still within the sport. So you mm-hmm. love the sport, but you want to try a new angle. Mm-hmm. I like that. Also, getting off the roads, even so just a, like in a temporary or once in a while kind of situation, getting off the roads for a bit can be good for your body. And so certainly it's, you know, it's relieving the joints, which I said my knees, you know, hurt after talking with Rob. It's really probably the, the alternative, though. Running on the roads is what's causing my knees problems. Yes. Uh, but so getting off the pavement can be a helpful thing. But then as Andrea's advice mentioned, the nature of the muscles that you're using. So it's really not a bad idea to occasionally get on uneven, unstable surfaces, especially if you do it gradually. And not too fast. Not too fast. (laughs) Don't do your speed workouts on the trails for the first time. Those kinds of things. Um, And then certainly the idea of just simply there's a whole nother community of runners Mm -hmm. out there that you may not be intersecting with as much if you're not running trails. And so that new sect is a great way to engage with more runners. And also taking the pace down a notch, being able to lose the watch, lose that feedback, and really listen to your body. Because the watch isn't going to be accurate anyway. Exactly. Your so GPS like isn't going to work, and it's going to be slower. <laughs> so you have to just throw away any thoughts about pacing. And we really appreciated Rob's comment about just getting out into the world, into nature, and experiencing the world geographically in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, when we when we run on the roads, especially, we tend to stick to the areas that are. Um, defined by the roads <laughs> so we don't get to some of these areas that you can when you're doing the trail stuff and there's incredible experiences out there also be safe yes, <laughs> there's be some safe. unsafe experiences out mm-hmm. there too awesome well thank you so much for joining us and we have another ultra runner for you next week with a different theme so we're gonna be talking about uh, mental health and emotional health and what it has to do with running so be sure you head to a to slash contest to participate in the latest giveaway and as always more for you soon <laughs>